This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey Hooligans, this is Michael. This is Michelle. This is Jeremy. From Who the What Now? The show about... Strange stories from the internet. And Bigfoot came over and beat his ass. Oh my god. <laughs> he like knocked him around a little bit and he just kind of went and then Bigfoot left. Pop culture. John, John Fod. Van Clam. <laughs> John Fod Van Clam gonna... was supposed to be the alien in Predator. And like did like a jump splits and like ended up with his like bats right in the dude's face. He's like, do I get the part? In our crazy lives. I'm like, oh, there's a cat on my back. And then all of a sudden I feel something. I feel a furry paw go down my ass crack. <laughs> Just slide right down my ass crack. I was like, what are you doing? You can catch us on all your favorite podcast applications. Spotify. iTunes. Libsyn. iHeartRadio. Stitcher. Your mamas. <laughs> and wherever else you find. You, you, they have quality podcasts. <laughs> so don't miss out on the next. Who the what now? And welcome to episode 316 of the Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Ian. And this is the only podcast that says... Once upon a time was a backbeat. Once upon a time all the chords came to life. And the angels had guitars even before they had wings. If you hold on to a chorus, you can get through the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little meatloaf there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Rock and roll dreams come through. I love that song. It's a good song. Yeah. I was in a, a meatloaf kind of mood driving over. Uh Listening to some some uh Bad Out of Hell too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Underrated like, like I, I went way back when we did our top ten albums. Uh-huh. Oh so long ago. I kind of kicked myself for not including Bat Out of Hell 1 mm. on that list. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'd replace. Or, work, like, like it's like one of those weird things. Like, I, I guess the top, the 10th one would move out and I'd put some, you know, but I don't know where I'd put it. Right, like, right. It's one of those weird things. Like, I, I hate to kick out, like, any, because those top 10 albums to me were like, you know. Yeah. But, like, but then the Bat Out of Hell 2 is right there on the cusp. Yeah. Like, you... You talk about like two almost perfect albums. Hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, and like people are like, oh, meatloaf, whatever the fuck, you know. That is amazing music, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the music, like the music of Jim Steinem fused with Meatloaf's voice was like a match made in heaven. Yeah, you know, I mean, there have been other people that have done cool stuff with Jim Steinem's music, like. The Taylor Dane version of Original Sin mm-hmm. is really, really good. Like, and I, and I like her voice a lot. Mm. 
Um, and she does a really good job with that. And I mean, that's on the soundtrack to the to the shadow. Yeah, which is an underrated movie as well. <laughs> you know, we're not get into that. But um, Bonnie Tyler actually did a lot of his music. Yeah, like um, I, I think uh, Total is. Hmm. Total is. Yeah. Well, no. Like um, she she did a. I, I think you know, Total Close to the Heart was a one of his songs. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. That's what I meant. Okay. And then um, later on, she did a remake of... It's uh, late. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, we're recording on Friday. <laughs> and fr- we're late, late on Friday. Um, but she also did a remake of um, Making Love Out of Nothing at All. Yeah. Which was you know originally done by Air Supply. Yeah. She did a remake of it that's you know, phenomenal in my opinion. Uh-huh. And there's a version somewhere. like I've only ever seen it on YouTube. Like of original sin, is like he included that in some musical that was done in Germany, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where it's like it's about vampires. Okay, yeah, and it's like some dude from Germany singing that song, and it's like very well done. Yeah, but then you throw on top of it, like it's like got scenes from the the musical and stuff, and you're just like, oh shit. I would actually go see this. And I hate musicals. Yeah. You know. I would pay good money to see this crazy batshit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote some amazing stuff. Yeah, Jim Steinem is an amazing, like, underrated, like, should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame writer. Yeah. You know. And, like, I get it, like, it's not for everybody, but it's like this over-the-top rock opera type of feel that I just love. Yeah. You know. Well, I was interesting story about Meatloaf. Okay. That recently happened. Mm-hmm. So you know, I went to a wedding. Yeah, yeah, you went to yeah. the wedding a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in the. Uh, I was inside of the house, but you could still hear the, you know, the DJ was outside. Yeah. And I thought I heard Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, weird. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, I guessed, uh, I guessed, I guess, uh, Nancy had requested, not your name. Yeah. Stepmother yeah. Nancy. Your stepmother Nancy, yeah. yeah. Mother, whatever. Yeah. Uh, requested Paradise by the Dashboard Line. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A classic. Yeah. Yeah. And... So I was like, wow. So I go out there, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of people dancing to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nancy and her friend, uh, Kedra were like, yeah. Like, not only did Na- she introduce me to Meatloaf, right. But, uh, they were like, they had like what's the word like actions okay like they were dancing like they were dancing like so they were pantomiming and yes okay I mean they they had done this before yeah like they, they had a routine yeah okay I mean she had seen Meatloaf live I think. yeah I've seen Meatloaf live just for the record but I'm talking like yeah when Back the Bad Out of Hell was released yeah yeah, yeah I saw him in 94 I think yeah yeah well 
hers is probably whenever it was, it was 70 79 yeah. yeah 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 so yeah it was great it was yeah. great to see and there's like you know older people up there singing the hell out of this song yeah you know and it was cool it was a really cool moment it was like late at night yeah but people managed to find their way back to the dance floor and they were singing that song it's kind of, it was interesting it's not a song that I would expect to hear at a wedding. No. No, not at all. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, because when you go to a wedding, you expect it to all be like, you know, kind of like group dance shit, you know, like line dances and, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that gets people, you know, the electric slide. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, you don't expect to hear Paradise by the Dashboard Light <laughs> ever. Yeah, right. You know? It was cool. That's cool, yeah. Now, I got out there. I didn't dance, but I was singing yeah. the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. It was cool. It was cool to see. Like, it was cool to see people from that era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Participating in a song that they'd seen live. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And loved Meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, strange. I'm surprised I didn't see hear Rocky Horror. <laughs> The time warp makes more sense. Yeah, it does. Because it's like because it does get actually, people on the I dance floor. Th- I think the time warp was played. Yeah, it actually was played. Yeah, like that makes like that's a wedding song because people get people up and they take a step to the left and then they turn to the right. You know, like, yeah, yeah I, I, that that makes so much more sense than. But, yeah, but still, it makes even more sense to her because she's the one that introduced me to Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. She actually took me to my first Rocky. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind of actually cool but um, so yeah it was cool hearing those songs yeah yeah time warp was done yeah. I know it was time because yeah. I was outside when I was playing yeah just interesting how music follows you yeah yeah <laughs> even on the car ride over <laughs> yeah now what I was what you don't expect would be Frank and Further's song after like you know, the one within and just a patient, yeah, like that one. But that's such a great song. Like I would sweet transvestite, sweet, tra- sweet transvestite. Yeah, that you don't hear at weddings. <laughs> Time warp you do, and many people don't know what that's from. You know, it's, it's just a wedding, like one of the songs that play at weddings. But like you know, and I hate seriously, I hate saxophones and songs. It is not my thing to hear yeah. a saxophone and song. Because every time I hear a sax, there are a few songs that I like saxophone. Yeah. But every time I hear a saxophone in a song, especially in the 80s and early 90s, it just reminds me of the Lost Boys. That freaking... Oh, that's so phenomenal, though. <laughs> it's horrid. It's it's horridly, badly phenomenal. <laughs> you know. But. But. Um, that after, after the chorus, when it goes sweet, transvestite and then yeah. the, and you can hear in the background this, yeah. this fucking saxophone just wailing yeah wailing 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 yeah I was like that's badass right there yeah like very bluesy yeah. you know what I mean yeah I, I take that back I do like saxophone and blues and stuff like that I just right. don't like it in rock and roll right it just, it's hard for me it, it is it depends on where it's at I mean there's some Bruce songs that I'm okay with it on yeah but yeah, it just sometimes it just it just doesn't seem to fit for me. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on where it's going. Like, 
like 50s doo-wop berries and stuff like that. You know, I get that. Yeah. But not like... Because there's a lot of saxophone and meatloaf music. Yeah, but... It works there. It works. Yeah. Like the one, the one I always love, the like the like the like the saxophone always like just kills me. I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. What do you what do you think? I'm, what do you think I'm gonna say? Uh, you belong in the city. No, no. Because <laughs> um, I one, hate that song. Yeah, the one from Eddie and the Cruisers. Okay. Um. Oh God. Tender years. <laughs> okay. That's great saxophone. <laughs> John Caffrey and the Beaver Brown Band. <laughs> I can just fucking see. Freaking. Uh, see that dude. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, and Lost Boys. Oh. Oh. And like standing perfectly still, wailing on the saxophone as his hips jutted out to the side. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's so. It, it's like the cheesiest part of that movie. It is. But it's like it works so well for some reason for me. Like I, I just completely buy in. <laughs> I'm like right there with, with the lost boy. I, I, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kiefer's taking me to a whole other place. Yeah. <laughs> Where this gonna happen? Kiefer made me watch a lot of his movies. I was a huge Kiefer fan. Kiefer is a guy like he's one of those few. It's, it's a weird thing, like because it's like yeah, like it's Kiefer fucking Sutherland. But yeah, like, can I, act. yeah, I will watch a Keith or Sutherland movie. Like if I see he's in it, I'm like, eh, let me give this a shot. <laughs> yeah, because you, know? you like you like I like his voice. I just like listening to him talk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's he acts well. Yeah, um, and he does so many different things. I mean, you look you look back, you look at Lost Boys, and you look at like Twenty Four, and you look at like you know he was in a uh, the fucking um. Young Guns, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he's done so much stuff, but like the one I, I love is his role in Dark City. Yeah, like he is so good in that movie. Yeah, you know, you're like fuck, and, and you're right, like his voice like works so well in that part. Yeah, like it, oh yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, he's one of my, he was one of my heroes back in the day. Yeah, if he was in a movie, I watched it. Introduction, of course, was probably Lost Boys. Yeah, I would guess, right? Yeah, that'd be for, that'd be it for me. <clears throat> I just thought he was so badass. Yeah. Oh, and, and like I knew his father. I mean, like I knew who his father was. Yeah. It was. I think that was one of the first actors that I knew. One of the first actors that I knew who their father was. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, there's the bridges. And, mm. You know what I mean? Douglas. Yeah. But he was like the Sheens. Yeah, but he was like one of the first people that I really, I guess, connected that father son thing. Yeah, probably because of Body Snatchers. Yeah, because I've been watching Body Snatchers since I was. Oh yeah, yeah. That was one of my first horror movies. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Just like Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I in Mash. I mean, so I, I knew yeah. who Donald Sutherland was. Yeah, I mean it. At 12 years old, we're watching MASH. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty bad. <laughs> MASH, the movie, was great. It, oh, it's a great movie. I think I probably watched it before I was 12. Yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. <laughs> I mean, at 12, you shouldn't be watching it. Nah. 
And I'm not even talking about like the nudity and stuff like that. I'm just it was it's a messed up movie. Like it it it, it gives you a completely different portrayal of war. Like it's nothing like the TV show. No. Like the, like the characters are all that they really ported over. That's it. And some of the humor. Some of the humor, yeah. But I'm mean, like, like with the swamp and stuff. Yeah, like that. but like for the most part, like I mean, it it was painting war as like this. I mean, the show does too, especially at the you know the end when Alan Alda was in charge. But I mean, like it was really like like showing you like like this is a, this wasn't like this great thing that we did going into Korea. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. You know, you could talk about World War II being this great thing all you want. Korea was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know? and, and it's one of the first movies that kind of, like, portrays war that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, any other war movie you watched up until MASH. It was like Bridge Over the River Quiet yeah. and stuff like it, that. It, you know, here come the heroes to save the day. You know, not this. No, not at no. all. You know, that was my first introduction to Elliot Gould. Oh, there's again. I mean, Elliot Gold. I know, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's you don't see him in like enough. No, no, not at all. Because <laughs> he's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, amazing actor. Yeah, but there were some episodes of Mash that did touch on that. You know what I mean? There, I know in the later episodes, but there was a lot in the early episodes. It just hits you in like every third or fourth episode. Yeah. Do you know? Because I can remember an episode with Trapper. Because I, I like the I like the original. Yeah. When Mash was syndicated, I always liked the old Mash. Yeah, like better with, than the newer Mash with, with Trapper and um, the original commanding officer. Yeah, I'll think of his name, but um, yeah. But I like Burns. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Burns was after. After Winchester. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, Burns. Yeah, okay, yeah, Burns. Yeah. Burns was in yeah. before Winchester. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, God, Blake, Colonel Blake, Colonel Blake. Yeah, yeah. That before Potter. Yeah, before Potter. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay, yeah. And uh, those episodes were great, but there was one episode with Trapper where I don't know the usual antics are going on in the swamp, and something <laughs> happens, yeah. and. This kid comes along, and then as the episode goes further along, Trapper, it was like the kid didn't have a mom, didn't know where the mom was. Yeah. And Trapper was going to adopt this kid. Yeah. And like he mailed his wife. Yeah. So this had gone on for a while. Yeah. That the kid was in camp. Right. And, uh, and anyway, toward the end of the episode, the kid wandered into the middle of a minefield. Oh, I remember. Do you remember this. that? Yeah, I do remember. And this, yeah. Trapper got on the helicopter, the yeah. ladder, and saved him. Yeah, and brought him back. And then the nuns came up and said, "You know, this is his mother." And yeah, yeah, it was like a heartbreaking episode because right, yeah. Trapper was going to adopt this kid. So was, yeah, there was a lot of epi- moments in those early mo- early episodes of Mash that you know got you in the feels here and there. Yeah, you know. But yeah, those early episodes were good. Yeah, I freaking love Blake, and the, and the amount of drinking they did. Oh yeah, was unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a tremendous amount of drinking, like Archer level of drinking. <laughs> but in the same sense, that was the mil- I, not. I'm not, ca- you know. Yeah, 
stereotyping, but even my father has said that there was a lot of drinking in the military. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it just yeah. kind of went hand in hand. Yeah. And MASH was one of the only shows my dad would watch. Yeah. Without Because he couldn't watch war movies. He could only... Well, like... At all. Yeah, like, I mean, MASH was interesting because like, there were guys who would watch MASH, but, like, um, Hogan's Heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, like older guys that I knew who would be like, you know, Hogan's Heroes, that's such bullshit. And, you know, that's not how World War II was at all, you know. Mm. But yet, you know, like, they, I more identified with MASH because MASH was a little bit more... Well, it was a comedy, it was still a little bit more realistic than... Hogan's heroes ever would be. And it was. Yeah. In a sense. Even my dad said, like, all the medical terms. Like, I even watch a show as a tech. Yeah. You know, and I watched the show. I was like, wow, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it more now. Right. I've always heard they talked about, like, you know, they've tried to stick, be very close to what was real. Medically. Medically. It was. Yeah. I mean. They weren't creating bullshit just to create bullshit. No, like, yeah, and then you'll see in MASH episodes, people die on the table. And I'm like, well, next. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so that gets to you after a while, and right. that's where Hawkeye eventually went to. Yeah. But um. anyway, yeah, MASH, it's a great show. I don't know why, where, what. Oh, all... we're, we're just. <laughs> we went from meatloaf to MASH. What's next? <laughs> I don't know. Men. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's raining rain men. Hallelujah. It's raining rain men. <laughs> nice. Wow. That was scary. Yeah. The PNP lives turns into the blue oyster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And right now, Stork is having horrible flashbacks. It's one of my favorite parts of that movie. It was. Oh, it the was Blue Oyster so scenes. fucking funny. Oh, I agree. And it would ne- I, it would it get by today? I don't know. No, it would no. It would not fly at all today. Not even close. <laughs> Especially at the end of the night. Yeah. Like it shows them like going in there, and then all of a sudden the music starting. Yeah. <laughs> and then like it would play like some of the movie. <laughs> and like 15 minutes later it dropped back to yeah. the Blue Oyster and like the guy's face is squished up against the dude's <laughs> yeah yeah it's great uh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking too scared to move yeah oh, oh so good fucking love that part of that movie especially when in the second police academy it was a cool it was a cool like throw in yeah because it was like oh shit it's on yeah you know what i mean like yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah the blue oyster you just didn't know yeah you ran in the wrong door dummy <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i fucking love that movie that's a movie i haven't watched in years years you just yeah. don't see it on tv no you don't you don't like i mean i don't know why I that I would watch the original Police Academy in a heartbeat. Yeah, I just you never you know it's like never on. Yeah, it's weird. It used to always be on. Yeah, no, and I that agree. short circuit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Five alive. Oh my god! 
The only good thing about that movie was Ali Sheedy. Mmm, Ali Sheedy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to have a thing for Ali Sheedy. Oh yeah, that she was smoking. <clears throat> I agree with you. Like I, I was right there. I was, you know. I mean, she was in that one John Hughes movie. Um, was God, son? Yeah, I know. I'm, I mean, there are that down. <laughs> but the one with like Saint Almost Fire. No. I think she was in. I think she was in that. Though. No, there was the one. I think. I think it was with um. Breakfast Club. No, I gotta look it up now because there's one where like she ends up getting knocked up. Nine and a half weeks. No, that's, no, that's not nine and a half weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're fucking. Yeah, Ali Sheedy and Mickey Rourke. <laughs> kind of child would that produce? Uh. Uh, let me see. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get on that wormhole. I gotta look this up. Breakfast Club. I can't spell Ali Sheedy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <clears throat> Admittedly. Well, she was in War Games. Oh. Another fantastic movie. Yeah. It's funny how Broderick was just not part of that group, but he, I think he was too young. I guess. I don't know. I, that's one of those, She did a Red Shoes Diary? Hmm. Gotta look that up. Images? <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, I gotta look that up. <laughs> She's having a baby. With She's those. having a baby. But she was that, Was that Kevin Bacon? Yeah, that's Kevin Bacon. Uncredited. Elizabeth McGovern. Yeah, she, she wasn't. Why do I think she was in that? Like, as a major star. Made to Order was a movie I watched an awful lot. Really? Yeah. Like, I'm not proud of that. It's not a good movie, but she's in it as a star. Right. You know. So, I watched that a lot. (laughs) I I need to find out what episode of the Red Shoe Diary she was in. (laughs) I'm already there, dude. You're already there! (laughs) (laughs) All I can find is video. Which isn't bad, but... That's like mind- I can't. I don't find any. That's like mind numbing to me. It is. <laughs> I mean, that's not like it was like ninety two. For one episode, she was in it. Yeah. You know, and it's like one of those things where you're like, man, that isn't something that a big star would do. <laughs> like, and she would still be big enough by ninety two. Yeah. You know what I mean. It's odd. Yeah. Free. Ali Sheedy sizzles and accidents happen A Red Shoes Diary. <laughs> well, man. <laughs> Listen. 
God bless America. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Never knew that. Nope. Now you know. Knowing is half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so that's uh... (laughs) (laughs) a... Taking weird turn after weird (laughs) turn here. Meatloaf to mash to Ali Sheedy. Yeah. How do you connect that in... (laughs) Six degrees. Yeah. Um... Kevin Bacon. Yeah. All right, so here was something interesting I I discovered. I found this article. Okay. And um, we were talking about music earlier with Meatloaf. Um, in 2008, there was a fire at Universal Studios' back lot, which has apparently done much more damage than was originally thought. Hmm. In a statement made public for the first time, more than 100,000 master recordings owned by Universal Music Group were lost in the blaze, including music by Elton John, wow. The Eagles, The Police, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, and Tom Petty. Wow. Yeah. Um, the new information comes courtesy of the New York Times Magazine, which states internal company documents and interviews with UMG employees among their sources. One document used in a 2009 company meeting declares that the loss in the fire was undoubtedly a huge musical heritage. UMG is the world's largest recording company, uh, boosting a catalog that spans a history of recorded history, of recorded music, excuse me. Um, Over the course of the company's existence, it has acquired a long list of labels, including Capital, Decca, Chess, Interscope, Island, Def Jam, and more. Island, huh? Yeah. Um, when word broke of the universal back the, the of the when word of the fire on the universal backlot originally broke in two thousand eight, very little was said regarding the damage to the archival warehouse. The structure was referred to as a video vault, while much of the focus was placed on the famous studio sound stages and filming facades that were scorched by the flames. Uh, two thousand eight deadline report suggests the fire had burned irreplaceable master tapes was rebuffed by UMG. Soon afterwards, a Universal spokesperson denied claims that master tapes had been destroyed, telling Billboard that UMG had no loss. It now appears those comments were inaccurate. Um, The company knew that there would be a shock and outrage if people found out the real story. They did a lot of, they did an outstanding job of keeping it quiet. It's a secret I'm ashamed to have been a part of, um, said Randy Anderson. (laughs) Um, former director of vault operations Uh, when details while details on exactly which recordings were lost and has not been revealed master tapes from the following artists are believed to have been destroyed Elton John Eric Clapton the Eagles Aerosmith Steely Dan Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers the Police Guns N' Roses Nine Inch Nails Nirvana Soundgarden Tupac Beck Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington, Al Jolston, Bing Crosby, <clears throat> Ella Fitzgerald, wow. Judy Garland, Billy Holiday, Chuck Berry, Aretha Franklin, John Coltrane, Count Bassie, Ray Charles, Sammy Davis Jr., Les Paul, 
Fats Domino, Loretta Lynn, B.B. King, Quincy Jones, Burt Bacharach, Joan Baez, Neil Diamond, Sonny and Cher, The Mamas and the Papas, Joni Mitchell, Cat Stevens, Leonard Skinner, Jimmy Buffett, Dawn Henley, Iggy Pop, Barry White, Patti LaBelle, Yoko Ono, Mm. that might be for the better, Sting, R.E.M., Janet Jackson, <clears throat> Queen Latifah, Mary J. Blige, Sonic Youth, No Doubt, Snoop, Hole, Cheryl Crow, and Eminem. Wow. That is a lit. I mean, if some of the stuff that you're probably talking about, like, I mean, for Masters are completely irreplaceable to begin with, but I mean, you're talking about, like, I mean, like, Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington, like, losing, like, Count math, Basie's huge. Count the Basie huge, as well. Yeah. I mean, Bing Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald, Judy Garland, Billy yeah. Holiday. I mean, these are like. I mean, th- those are masters of, of stuff that's that, that's probably been lost to time anyway. Yeah. Like these, yeah. they're probably masters of recordings that they did that that have either a never been released or b they were released so long ago and they've never been re-released. Right. That you know, this is stuff that can never be heard again. Yeah. That's nuts, huh? It's amazing to think about. <clears throat> like you have to find like the the vinyl of, of something that like may have been lost forever because it can never be reproduced. Right. You know. It's nuts. It's hard to think about. Like I mean, it. You know, I mean, the music history that was that we're talking about here. Is just mind like going through that list of names. Like I hadn't gone through it like completely, like I just did. Mm-hmm. So like some of them, like as I'm saying them, I'm like, I, like Les Paul. Yeah. I mean, fuck. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's just that's almost enough to make you cry. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it really is. Like, you're just like, I, I can't believe I just said that man's name. Right. That his, that his master recordings have been lost forever. <laughs> Just a, uh, amazing and, 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 a, and a tragedy on top of that. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. I don't know why they would have to lie about it. Well, I, I think it's, I mean, you're getting, and it's funny, like, it hasn't generated the response, like, at least not that I've seen, like, not, not like I have my ear to the music world per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm open, our good friend Heno. Um, he may have some more information on this, but, you know, as, as a musician, he probably has his ear close to the ground on something like this than I do. Mm. I just happened to stumble upon this article on Facebook and was shocked as I read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think, like, from a musician, from, like, like hardcore music lovers and, mm. and musicians and stuff like that, I, I think this would create a massive stir that would... V- really upset people. I mean, I'm upset and I'm not like, I'm not a Joan Baez fan by any stretch of the imagination, but the fact that her master recordings <laughs> are lost really bums me out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, Billy Holland, I, I mean, but there are other names on there like, too. Like I, I, I listed like, like BB King. Like, I mean, how much fucking music did that man record? Plus Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald. Stuff. I yeah. mean, like, that's huge. I mean, huge. To, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think all of them are huge in their own way, but I mean, yeah. If 
you're going those old ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, John Coltrane. Actually, Louis Armstrong. Count Bassey. Uh, you know, Ray Charles, Sammy Davis Jr., Al Jolston. I really like Ray Charles. Yeah. Bing Crosby. Old Ray Charles has some good stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I Got a Woman. That's a good one. That's oh, a good old one. Yeah. That's good. That's that's good music right there. It is. Like, I mean, dude could play. <laughs> yeah, man. You know? He could. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The man could play piano. And, yeah. And write music. Ella Fitzgerald had one of the best jazz voices yeah. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. All right, anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah, that, that was sad. I, I just, I thought it was something interesting I'd bring to our attention because, I mean, it's, it's like, but like there are other names on here like, you know, Elton John, Eric Clapton, the Eagles, Tom Petty, the police, Guns N' Roses, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit more what you and I yeah, listen to or grow up listen to and like you know Soundgarden yeah that 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 hurts you yeah. know I mean, so I mean there, there, are, there were a lot of names on there like <laughs> Tupac you know I thought he somebody else had all the masters <laughs> they were just so continuing releasing shit yeah. you know, so like maybe we finally meet, met, reached the end of Tupac's career <laughs> yeah maybe yeah that's funny. Yeah. I just do Tupac's on an island with Elvis and fucking Jim Morrison. And he's just like, yeah, go ahead and release this this week. Yeah. I'm going to appear Coachella as a, as a fucking hologram. Let's do that. <laughs> In other oddball news, um, there's a, a streaming service is coming called um, Quibi. Okay. Q-U-I-B-I. It's short for Quick Bytes. Um, this is an upcoming streaming subscription service that will only be accessible on mobile devices. Long-form shows will be broken up and served to audiences in short chunks. And the service has managed to lure in some top creators like Steven Spielberg, Antoine Fuqua, Sam Remy, Steven Soderbergh and Guillermo del Toro to name a few. Mm-hmm. And now we have a better understanding exactly how this n- nascent service was able to lure such high-end talent. According to a new, new report, QB will be initially licensing content from these creators, but after two years of exclusivity, the service will allow them to re-edit the stories into full features and sell the rights elsewhere, giving the potential of a huge payoff down the line. Huh. Um, <clears throat> this service isn't due to be, the debut until April of 2020. Um, it says it'll give financial control to its creators. The company will exclusively license the content in bite-sized chunk form for seven years, but after two years on the service, the creator of the show and the studio behind it will be able to edit it into one continuous piece and sell the rights to a global audience, reaping the financial rewards that come with such a deal. Okay. Um, Antoine Fuqua, who directed Training Day, is making a two and a half hour drama called Hashtag Free Ray Sean for QB. 
a dog day afternoon s story starring Stephen James as an Iraq war vet who finds himself in a showdown with a New Orleans SWAT team. Uh, Fuqua was originally thinking about making his movie, but realized this new service presented with an intriguing alternative. Uh, someone is basically financing a film or a TV show for you on a new platform, and then for the film itself, you get to own the IP. I think that's a better situation. QB is basically paying for a film, and then a few and in a few years' time, you get to own it. It's incredible. That's cool. Um, from day one, the inspiration for this is the TV industry that I grew up in. Before the financial rules of syndication went away, the networks never owned their IP. They were only able to license it for a prescribed window. Mm-hmm. The real blockbuster home home run came in ownership, specifically the post-network window where suddenly the creators and owners of the content were able to make genuine fortunes. Our aspirations that they will be well-paid and, and com- competitively for their time making the content with us. But the blockbuster here is if they make something great, two years later they will own it, and it, that has the uniqueness of this, and I think it has a big appeal. Um... The service will cost $4.99 a month with advertising and $7.99 without. The service will, will feature three distinct sections of programming. Uh, quick Bites, uh, Daily Essentials, and Lighthouses. Um, the platform's name for the high-profile serialized shows from filmmakers like Spielberg, Paul Feige, and Catherine uh, Hardwick, and more. These projects will be accessible in 7 to 10-minute episodes and will ultimately range between two to four hours in length. Um, Daily Essentials, a six and a half minute news program curated for your personal taste and will have new episodes three times a day. And Quick Bites will be unserialized story. VF cites an eight episode stunt driving show with Idris Elba and driver Ken Block as an example. So, I mean, this is the first time hearing about this, this streaming service, but it sounds very interesting. Yeah. I like the con the concept of it, mm-hmm. where like you know I can watch a feature length movie in like an eight minute segment a day. Yeah. You know that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Plus, I like like I think it's interesting that they're giving ownership back to the to the creators. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Eventually, two years, right? Yeah, I mean, they're long, yeah, so like you're talking like something gets released in 2020, well, the, the the creator will own in 2022. Yeah. They can do whatever with it. Yeah. So like if it was popular, like you could say like, okay, well, if it was popular on this service, we could like watch it seven minutes at a time. Now we're going to take it and we're going to release it on the big screen and you can watch the whole thing at once. Yeah. You know. Or... No, you take it and you sell it to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because something like that maybe you don't, you're thinking to yourself, well, it's not going to draw much of an, uh, an audience unless it has a word of mouth thing. You know what I mean? Like, sure. people who don't subscribe to this service, now they get it and they can see it in a theater. Or, you know, like you say, you, you sell it to Netflix or sure. somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. making your money. Yeah. You're making your money twice. Right. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Yeah. 
thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so true. Oh. So what else is on your, on the old plate there, son? I got nothing, man. Nothing. I thought this would create more conversation. <laughs> it was open. Damn. No mailbag either, because we're recording on a Friday. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, I know what I want. I wanted to. This was interesting. We got off on our tangent. Um, first, I wanted to congratulate the St. Louis Blues yeah. for winning the Stanley Cup. Now, five of the original. Now, five of the original next six teams have won the Stanley Cup. Really? Yeah. I thought this was interesting because I, I knew St. Louis came into the league the same year as the Penguins. Um. So. The, the original the original six hockey teams in the in the NHL were Detroit, Toronto, Montreal, Boston, and New York, New York, and Chicago. Those were the original six. Yeah. In 1967, the NHL doubled its size by expanding six teams. Mm. So they were the called the the next six. Mm. Okay. And those teams were the the Los Angeles Kings. The Minnesota North Stars, the Oakland Seals, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the St. Louis Blues. That's cool. Now, out of those six, five of them have won the Stanley Cup. The Oakland Seals are the only team that didn't. They no longer exist. Yeah. Because they went from being the Oakland Seals to the... um, well, They went from being the Oakland Seals to being like the, the Golden State Seals... And then they moved to Cleveland, where they became the Cleveland Barons, and that's when it all really it all fucking fell apart. (laughs) Yeah. Once they got in state. Yeah, once they got to the state of Ohio, it was all downhill from there. Um. But out of the out of those six teams, um, five of them have won. Not one. All the five remaining of the six have won the Stanley Cup, at least once. Yeah. And your Pittsburgh Penguins have won it the most at five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the Flyers may never hold it again. <laughs> That's when the Penguins were blue, right? Yeah. That blue you see now on on jerseys used to be the old Penguins color back then. Right, because like from '67 to I want to say '79, '78 maybe, they wore blue and white, and then they changed to black and gold, and the Bruins threw a fit. Yeah, like they were pissed. Yeah, and, and like they like commissioned the NHL to prevent that from happening, and the NHL let it go. Yeah. Because the Penguins wanted to be like they—they they were so desperate they wanted to match the Pirates and the Steelers in color because <laughs> yeah. they, they were that bad at the time. Yeah, you know that's that's what people don't remember like how bad the Penguins were for how long. Yeah, they were bad. You know, you know all through. It's the, like they had a curse on their back. Well, I mean, what they didn't win in Philadelphia in in Philadelphia. Yeah, until like 1988. Yeah, something like something that. like eighty nine, maybe. 
There's also the guy that died. Yeah. That was supposed to be their star. Yeah. Was it Sal Apps? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. But it's like, but it's funny. Like, I mean, St. Louis is funny too because, like, <laughs> like they went to three straight Stanley Cup Finals. Like, and they six, had a good team. That was the Brett Hall years, right? Is that Brett Hall on this? On this? Well, no, you're, you're, no. This is I'm talking about like like 1970. Oh, okay. like when they first came in, like they 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 put together a really good team. They went to three straight Stanley Cup Finals and lost all three times. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like. They had never won a game on St. Louis ice in the Stanley Cup Finals until this year. Oh wow! Yeah, and then um, I mean, it was the year I, I think they didn't get to the they didn't get to the finals. But yeah, I mean, the, the Brett Hall years, like they were knocking at the door. Yeah, they were there. But that that was by that time, Minnesota had moved to Texas, and they became like. The dominant West Coast franchise, yeah, because he had you had them and you had uh, Colorado because I think the '90s, yeah, where like those two teams were like, yeah, they were powerhouses. Colorado, especially, yeah, with Patrick Waugh and yeah, and those guys. They, I mean, that was that should have been the uh, oh, what was it? I can't believe I can't think of who they were before. Who? Colorado. Nordiques? Yeah, that's it. the Nordiques. Yeah, they were the Nordiques. Quebec. Quebec Nordiques. Yeah. Yeah, so that should have been Quebec winning those Stanley Cups, not Colorado. Yeah. Sorry, Colorado fans. <laughs> yeah. You know, but. Um, We've been waiting a long time in French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so that, that, that was. Um, I found that interesting. And also it's interesting, you know, the Stanley Cup has not been hoisted by a Canadian team since 1993. That is interesting. Yeah. The last time this, the, the Stanley Cup was hoisted by a Canadian team was the Montreal Canadiens, and that was uh, 1993. So, no, no, the Stanley Cup has been raised only by American teams since then. Some of them, like, like you know, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Florida. like, like, of all places for the Stanley Cup to be raised... Florida. Yeah. But yet... That's like Westeros. Yeah. Like, in hockey terms, it is, in my opinion. You're right. <laughs> it's a mythical land that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. But they play hockey there. Yeah. Um, but no, I know. <laughs> but what becomes interesting, though, is... So, the other thing is, yesterday, the Toronto Raptors won the NBA Finals. So I think it's apropos that considering no Canadian team has hoisted the Stanley Cup in almost 25 years, or over 25 years, that a Canadian team hoists the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Toronto. Yeah, good for those guys. So did, did you watch anything in the finals at all? No. No? Nothing. Did you? I, I, I caught bits and pieces of it. I didn't get to watch. I, I, I've been paying close attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I think Kawhi Leonard uh-huh. is as close as we can get to Jordan without being Jordan. Yeah? Yeah. That good? He, like, I'm a Kobe fan. 
Okay. You know, but only because Kobe was a stone cold killer, like right. like like Jordan. But Kobe's defense was weak. Yeah. You know, Kawhi Leonard. He's the first player I've seen in a long time that loves playing both sides of the floor. Okay. Like Jordan. Like Jordan took, like we talked about last week, like Jordan took great pride in that defense. Uh-huh. So does Kawhi Leonard. And in the Eastern Conference Finals, Toronto was down 2 nothing to mm. Milwaukee. Mm. And the, the Greek freak, whose name I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try, mm-hmm. he was just crushing them in those first two games. Uh-huh. They made a change. They put Kawhi Leonard on him, and he shut him down for four straight games. Yeah? Like, he dis-a-fucking-peered. Yeah. That's how what good the and Kawhi still averaged thirty points a game. Wow, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it, it, it's it's Jordan. Like he, he's not Jordan. He's not close to being Jordan. But it's Jordan asking how good he is on both sides of the floor. Yeah, you know he's got a great shot. He, he he's got a great first step. Uh-huh. You know, like which is important. You yeah. know, he, he he's he's great off the dribble, but. He, he plays that lockdown defense that you just don't see players pay attention to as, as much anymore. Yeah. And when you can play that kind of lockdown defense and you take away a team's best player like that, even if he is taller than you, yeah. man, you've got something special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in my opinion, like, that's, that's what's impressive about this guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's supposed to be a free agent. In a way, I kind of hope he stays in Toronto. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know if he is or not. I don't know where he's going to go. Like, I mean, like you look around the league and you just kind of say, like, you know, like the Lakers are a, are a fuck show right now. Yeah. You know, so I wouldn't want to go to the Lakers if I was him. You know, you say, you know, the Clippers, but, like, if you're going to be in L.A., you want to be a Laker. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care if the Clippers are the better team. They're still, like, the B team. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, you know what I mean? Like, the Lakers are the Lakers. They're the Yankees of, of, of basketball. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so even when they're bad, you still say, well, it's still the fucking Lakers. Like, the Knicks are, are, are another, like, just complete, you know, clusterfuck. Like, with their management and stuff. Mm. So, like, so even though they've got the cap room and everything, like, I can't see him wanting to go to New York. You know, maybe Boston. Yeah, like he might be just be better off suited just staying in, in Toronto. Maybe you know what I mean. Like I mean, which is like a scary thought because like they were a good team and now he joins that team and all of a sudden like that you know one of the best teams in the league. <laughs> right. You know. Maybe they'll sign him. Maybe. But it's tough because like who wants to who, who like it, it's one of those deals where like. Like who who wants to play in Toronto? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, in all honesty, like these players, they they do want to be, like, the the allure of of LeBron and Bosh going to Miami made sense. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, because it's Miami, it's sunny, you know, it's the beach, it's the scene. That's where players want to be, like, you know. L.A. makes sense. You know, I, I, I don't see where, like, the Toronto scene would appeal to a young guy like this. Yeah, yeah. 
you know. But maybe his head's so screwed on straight because he's like all about basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he talked about like you know that's you know he got traded from San Antonio to Toronto. Yeah. And he was just like you know all I do is focus on basketball. Yeah. You know maybe that's like he'll be like you know there's no distractions here I don't have to worry about shit I can just play basketball. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. And here I could win championships. Yeah. You know. Maybe I'll stay. Like I said. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a possibility. But like, you look at the. It's like funny, like how the free agent market is like so clouded. Because like it before before the final started, you know, like Kevin Durant was going to be a, a free agent. Clay Thompson was going to be a free agent. Um, the kid in, in Boston, I can't think of his name. The guy who played Uncle Drew. He's going to be a free agent. Like there was all these free agents. Kawhi Leonard, free agent. It was all these free agents. Well, now Kevin Durant's got a a ruptured Achilles. You know, right. nobody, nobody's gonna want to sign him. Yeah, at least not to a max contract. Clay Thompson tore an ACL in the finals. Nobody's gonna sign him. Yeah, you know, um, so you got like only like a couple of guys where you're now saying like you know, you went from having like four or five guys who were like max contract guys to not like maybe like two. Yeah. Like, very quickly. Like, and, you know, it's very interesting how that shakes out. Right. You know. There are teams that are thirsty. Yeah? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the Knicks, Brooklyn, the Lakers, the Clippers, these are all teams that, like, people are talking about as, like, destinations. Yeah. You know, and then on top of all, you've got Anthony Davis who wants to be traded out of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And New Orleans has the number one pick, so they're getting Zion Williams. Mm. You know, I mean, it's like, it's very interesting, like, how topsy turvy the NBA has kind of become within a week. Yeah, one week. Yeah. Just because of injuries and whatnot. Right. You know, uh, basketball. Yeah. Well, it's, and, and like it's funny. Like I, I've enjoyed watching like the playoffs and the NBA Finals this year uh-huh. for the first time in a while. Um, I still prefer college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the shot clock. Yeah. I because they have they have a longer shot clock. I think it's forty seconds in college uh-huh. and it's twenty five in the NBA. Like you have time to set up a play. Yeah. You know we're like. It, in pros, it's like they hurry up, they get down, they pass it once or twice, and they take a three. Yeah. You know, we're like in college, it's like I feel like there's there is more design. Design and and and, and play work and you know, you're trying to, to you know create space. Right. You know, to get to the lane. I, you know, like it's it, it is it is still more of a two point game compared to pro game, which becomes such a you know it's a it's a lower percentage shot, but you but it's a higher reward by going for the three pointer. Right. You know, it, it's like an analytics have like completely destroyed like sports as a whole. I think. Right. Like you, you talk about all these next gen stats that you're getting, and it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> it's because it, it is. It's like you know you you hear these guys talk about like, you know, if you take X amount of threes and you're hitting X amount, that's you're making, you're scoring more points than if you take the same amount of twos 
escort us in. You know, I mean, it's like right. it's like very weird, like how like statistically the NBA and and like all games have changed. Like you know, you, baseball's the king of this, like with like Moneyball stats and shit, and like launch angles and like all this shit that they talk to these players about. And it's just like you know the greats didn't need all of that. Nah, you know. Nobody talked to Mark McGuire about launch angles. Yeah. You know, no, no, nobody talked to Willie Stargell about launch angles. You know, <laughs> right. the, uh, all this next-gen bullshit wasn't needed by Lou Gehrig or Babe Ruth or, you know, any of these guys. Like, they just played baseball. They understood the game. Like, now it's like it's like such a convoluted math problem. Right. That, like, some of these sports are just like... <laughs> I just think baseball's dying in general. Why it is? I mean, it is. You're absolutely right, but it's just it's funny, like how, like it, it, like statistics. You can use statistics to make a case for anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you can like number the numbers don't lie. Like so, so you can say, well, if you hit the ball at this angle, you know, if you if you if the pitch is here and you hit the ball at this angle. It's going to travel with this velocity and go in this direction. And I mean, like, they talk about this shit. And, like, it's hard enough to hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball without worrying about, like, where it's hitting on the bat. Right. You know, you just want to make contact at sometimes. You know, right, right. They, they've got these guys just, like, the way that they're swinging and everything else, like, it's just it's getting in their head because they're being taught you need to swing the bat this way and this direction and this fast. This is how your timing has to be so that you can get this launch angle because – we don't want base hits. We want home runs. Right, right. You know, we need a higher percentage of runs scored based upon your at-bats compared to, I mean, and it's like the math, it's become like sports should not be a math problem. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, it shouldn't. Like, it, that, that's, I think that's the beauty of, like, you, you can talk about next-gen statistics with football all you want, but the fact of the matter is... Once you're out on the field, you've got to make a play. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes cannot be solved with a math problem. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the shit that he does Correct. throwing the football isn't something that you can say, well, if you do it this way and you do this and, you, you know. and you know, Or even bend off the rollout. Yeah. It's the yeah. It's the X factor. Right. Like, it, it, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, the same thing with hockey. Like, you could talk about... You know, it, you know all this stuff all you want, but the fact of the matter is that once you're on the ice, that shit doesn't matter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, and I think it's the problem with like basketball. Basketball's become like this, this statistical sport where that, that shit does matter, and so like more and more teams are like, you know, we're just gonna pass it around the three point area and and take our shot. You know, we're not gonna try to get to the rim, right? Because it's a higher percent. We get more points if we do it from back here than we do from up there, and we do. I mean. You know, where like in hockey and football, I think like you can give next gen statistics, but at the end of the day, once you're on the field or on the ice, they don't apply as much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you never yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. You can run the play, but and you can try to get to a certain like you can say, okay, well if I'm if I'm at this point, this goalie is susceptible. If I'm standing here, he gives up more more goals from this spot than anywhere on the ice. Well, you know, you can stand there all you want. <laughs> You know what I mean? It doesn't mean the puck's going to come to you. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to take the shot from where you can take the shot. Hopefully you can get to that spot and that, where that goalie has that problem from. But the fact of the matter is, you're going to take the shot where you can take the shot. You're on skates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. if you're wide open and somebody's throw, got a pass coming to you, you better slap that shit home. 
Yeah. You know, don't go, oh, no, I can't shoot it from here because he's got a higher save percentage than he does over there. Right. right. Take the shot. Right. <laughs> you know, and is this anything in football? Like, I mean, like, I could tell you a quarterback, like, you, you can play a defense a certain way. Like, you know, uh, this guy, because of his arm strength, he doesn't throw to this th- this end of the field or at this depth very often, you know, from like a, 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 a long, like a 15 to 20 yard out. Yeah. At all, because he doesn't have the arm strength to do it. I can tell you that. So, yeah, you can kind of let that go, or you can play a softer zone in that area, shift your coverage a little bit. But overall, you've, you know, when, once you're on the field, you know, you're still going to make a play. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's also, too, is when you lax on that, that's when the play happens. Right. And he makes that throw. Yeah. Because he candy arms it, but because you're playing it soft, you're out of position. Correct. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Ben's been doing that shit his whole career. But he doesn't have a candy arm. Like a, no, the, he does. The guy I always think of is the guy, Chad Pennington. Yeah. For the Jets, and then he played for Miami for a little while. He had the softest arm I've ever seen. Like, just no arm strength whatsoever. Like, how he played in the league as long as he did, I'll never know. Yeah. But, like, you know, you just you knew he wasn't throwing a deep ball. Right. You knew he wasn't throwing it to the outside. Because yeah. he didn't have the arm strength to get it there. Yeah. Like, if he was running to the outside, he was, like, it, it would be, like, on the, the the near hash mark. Right, right. Like, okay, the ball's on the left hash mark, so he's going to throw it to the left side as an out. Because it's less far, you know, it doesn't have as far to travel. Right, right. But he's not throwing it to the right because he can't get it there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's shit like that. And then, like, you know, so you play that soft, and the next thing you know, he does throw it to the right. Right. And there's Wayne Corbett making a play and taking it down to the, to the house. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about the draft, Steelers draft? We didn't talk about this at all. I was very happy with their draft. Yeah? Yeah. What, who are you excited about? Who you... Oh, I, I Bush is the guy I'm most excited about. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I like that guy. I like that guy as a wide receiver. Uh-huh. Um, I really like the guy they drafted out of Michigan State as the corner. Yeah? Yeah. He, lo- he looks really good. But Devin Bush, like... I watched a few of his games at Michigan. Uh-huh. He was a guy that stuck out. Like even even when like that that, that game against Ohio State where they got destroyed, mm-hmm. he was still trying to make plays. Yeah. Like he, he's a guy that I'm like, okay, I, like this this is this is a beast. Like he he could be that guy in the middle that we haven't had since Ryan Shazier. Really? Yeah. That good. That good. He's got that kind of a head on his shoulders, and also he's got that kind of speed. Yeah, like that's the thing that you you forget. Like Ryan Shazier could play sideline to sideline because he was so fucking fast. Yeah, like for an inside linebacker, that that was the thing he replaced. Ryan Shazier replaced Troy Polamalu essentially, because right. Polamalu would play up in the box and he could play sideline to sideline. And the second he saw as a pass, he get back into his coverage zone. Yeah, like that's how fast Troy Polamalu was. People kind of like. Don't realize that, like how fucking fast that guy really was. And now you had Ryan Shazier who kind of took that same role (laughs) without playing a deep safety. You know, he would play sideline to sideline. He could get to the, he could play from the inside and work his way outside and make that tackle for a loss where like Arthur Motes can't do that. Right, right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like as nice of a linebacker as Arthur Motes is, I mean, they had some nice inside linebackers last year. You're just not Ryan Shazier. And the defense needs a guy like a Ryan Shazier who can do something like that. Right. Devin Bush is that guy. Okay. He has that type of speed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
And it, it's going to be a matter of how quickly can he soak up the defense. Man. Like, how, how quickly can he learn how to play in this style? Because once he does, he's going to be a stone-cold killer. Really? Yeah. Like, I honestly believe that. Like, I, I very well may be proven wrong. He may be a complete and total bust. I just don't think so. I think I think the town is too good for him to bust out. He's not going to be another Bud Dupree. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think so. I, I think Devin Bush has not only the potential, but the, the, the will to. Like, when you trade up for a guy like they did, which the Steelers never do. They haven't done it since Troy. Yeah. You know, when you trade up for a guy like that and you make the move that they make, you know that you you've got something to prove, and I think he's got that chip on his shoulder of I've got something to prove now because this team has that much faith in me that they did something that they very rarely do. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Hopefully he works out. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, I like I, I, I like the corner from Michigan State, um, because he he's a, he he's got something that. Most Steeler corners don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's hands. Yeah. Like, I know it's surprising. Like, you know, they just have these clubs they throw up in there and they knock balls down. But, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in all honesty, like, for whatever reason, the Steelers, since Troy retired, cannot intercept the pass to save their lives. They cannot. They cannot. Like, and I mean, Ike I, Taylor was, in the, like, he would be a Hall of Fame corner if he ha- could at least catch half. Of what was thrown that should have been an interception. Right. You know, like, Ike Taylor was that good. And, like, he had, like, like five interceptions in his career. Or something, some ridiculously sad right, number. Right, right. But he was a shutdown corner. And, like, Joe Hayden's a very good corner, but for whatever reason, can't catch a cold. And, you know, like, they just, for whatever reason, like, the Steelers secondary just can't catch anything. This kid, he is a converted wide receiver. So he's got some sort of hands. They're not great. But some sort of hands, mm. and like I feel like, and he's big and lanky, and you know he's kind of, kind of, kind of like that, you know, the, these new age corners where, you know, they're a little bit more physical, and I, I just I think he's a guy who, again, given some, the proper, guidance, he could be, yeah, the next guy. Okay. We got a tight end too, didn't we? Yeah, they also drafted a running back that um Benny Snell. Yeah, I've heard some. Th- I've heard some buzz about this kid. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched a few of his games too. Yeah, yeah. What's he look like? Um, he 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 reminded. He doesn't remind me of anybody, but like it, it's like he's got that Le'Veon Bell style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of. He's going to hit a hole, but he's going to wait for it to open up and then hit it. And when he hits it, he hits it quick. Uh-huh. Like, Connor, as much as I love James Connor, he's a straight-ahead runner. Yeah, he is. He's going to take the hand off and hit the hole he's told to hit. Yeah. You know, whether it's there or not, that's what he's doing. Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, like, Snell... He's a like, bruiser. He is. He is. He's very much... But he's got some speed to him, too. <clears throat> but, like, Snell's, like, he, he's a little bit more fluid. But he's got like the the the, the thighs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like he's he's a guy who like I feel like he's going he's not going to avoid contact. He's going to lower his shoulder and he's going to drive through you. 
Yeah. You know, he's not going to be pushed backwards. He's going to to push forward. Yeah? Yeah. Fall forward kind of guy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How's his hands? Um, they're, they're good. I mean, you know, I mean, it's tough to judge a wide receiver uh, or a running back, I mean, because um, they're only like, they're they're basically like in college anymore. They're, they're just running the, you know, the kind of coming out of the backfield type of routes, uh-huh. you know. Um, you know, we're, we're like Bell, like you would like split him out at the wide receiver position sometimes. Um, but most of these guys anymore, like in college, I mean, he's got good enough hands, you know, catching like the was basically a screen pass, yeah, you know, almost, yeah, you know, wheel route type of type of situations, right? Um, so I, I, yeah, I like I like him a lot. Um, I'm intrigued to see what he does in the Steeler offense. Yeah, you know, he's gonna get in. I, I I think so. I I think. Dear God in heaven, I hope. Tomlin has learned you can't run one running back into the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's the reason Le'Veon Bell never reported. <laughs> like, he, all, in all honesty, he never came to camp because he knew he was going to get 300 touches. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and nobody wants that. Yeah. You know, um, James Conner, you know, as good as he is, his body just broke down with all the touches that he got. Yeah, you know what I mean, like you know, and it's unfortunate. And then you saw the lack of depth behind him. Um, I think you're going to see a James Conner Benny Snell combination that where they share the load. Yeah, at least I hope so. You know, this is something that that Mike Tomlin has to learn how to do at some point. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing for the most part as that bell cow running back anymore. Mm. Like they just don't exist. They're 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 an anomaly, you know. They're for every Zeke Zeke Elliott, you know, you've got a hundred other guys who aren't that. Right. You know I mean, um, I, I think we saw it like with uh, you know what's his name with the Rams this year where he kind of broke down and you know was girly yeah in the Super Bowl and stuff like that. He just wasn't used he, because he wasn't healthy. Right. You know? um, so I, I think you you know I think we're at a point where unless you have a guy that you absolutely positively know is a bell cow, and again they're few and far between, um, you you got to go with a running back by committee. You you could play a hot hand. Like if I got a guy who who's who's got a hot hand, I'm I'm going to run that hot hand. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like this like so for this game, okay, Benny Snell is the man because he is just he's hitting the holes. And he's making the runs. That's great. But the next game, you got to go back to splitting the carries until you find the guy who can who can carry the ball. You know what I mean? Like it's just you, you can't you can't give a guy the ball three hundred times a, a, a year now. Yeah, for the most part, just wears him out. Yeah, yeah. You especially can't do it and expect to get far into the playoffs with it. Yeah, you yeah know exactly. What I mean? Just not gonna happen. Yeah, it's too much abuse on the body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Tom will figure it out. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, like his time management. Yeah, like, yeah. Like we, you know, we've only been complaining about time management for 15 years. So. Yeah. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> Screaming at the yeah. TV. Fucking call a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, don't challenge that. 
Yeah. <laughs> what were exactly. you thinking? Exactly. I mean, even Phil Sims was like, I don't know what Mike Tomlin's thinking here. Yeah. Fuck. In the in the play that has been haunting us for probably thirty years. The old draw play on third down. Oh yeah. Well. That's just the yeah, we're gonna, gonna give up and punt. Play. I get it. Yeah, but still. Yeah, I, I, I get I, it. Yeah. But you have like it just drives me crazy. The only thing worse than that is it's third and four, we're gonna front a screen pass. Oh. Yeah, I mean that's I that's the one that drives me insane. Yeah, and it's like you have like a, a really good quarterback. Yeah, and you have massive offensive weapons. Yeah, but we're gonna run a screen pass on third and four. <laughs> right. When everybody's crowding within four yards of the ball, yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. makes sense, right? Yeah. Nobody reads it, you know. No. Well, speaking of those massive no offensive, no audibles have been taken. Speaking of those massive offensive weapons, you know we're going to be able to see Mr. Big Chest this this uh this August. Yeah? Yeah. We got a preseason with the Raiders? No. Even better. We have hard knocks with the Raiders. Really? Yes. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. Tell me more. Oh, if there was so NFL Films and HBO do this show, they've been doing it for about 15 years now, called Hard Knocks, uh-huh. which it follows a team through training camp. Uh-huh. Now, the criteria for qualifying for Hard Knocks is you have to be a team that hasn't made the playoffs the past two seasons. Here come the Raiders. <clears throat> haven't made the playoffs in the past two seasons. Made for TV. If you talk about a team that's made for TV right now, they they're, they're damn near homeless. They 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 luckily got an extension to play one more year in the Oakland Alameda Coliseum, or whatever the fuck they're calling it now. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're moving to Vegas next year. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh yeah, they're building a stadium right now for them in Vegas. Um. So, ne- so next year they'll be the Ve- Las Vegas Raiders. You know they've got Antonio Brown, Vontez Perfect, fucking Richie Incognito. Yeah, he of the biggest bully in the in the yard. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, plus John Gruden. Yeah, you know, plus Mike Mayock, who who was who was a draft analyst for the NFL Network. Yeah. When they decide, it's like the first. This is the equivalent of like hiring Mel Kiper Jr. to be your 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 GM. You know, that's what they did. They hired you know Mike Mayock, who has been like a draft analyst for the NFL Network, and he does color commentary for Notre Dame. Yeah, on NBC. <laughs> that's who the Raiders hired as their general manager. They're going to be on HBO's Hard Knocks next year. Nice. Oh, it's going to be tremendous. Yeah. If you thought the Browns were a shit show, <laughs> wait till you see this. Watch the Raiders win the Super Bowl. Oh. Oh, it'd be my worst nightmare. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize they picked up Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. 
What are you going on, old John Madden right here? Yeah, it's, see, like, like, they asked him about Richie Incognito. I mean, Richie Incognito got cut from the Dolphins for bullying, like, the, the rookies. Yeah. Like, like he was, like, so vile, the Dolphins were like, no, we don't want you. <laughs> right. We suck that bad. And, and he's a very good offensive lineman, but he's, like, an asshole of a human being. And, like, they, they asked him because he was on free – like, he played in Buffalo for a few years, and they asked Mike Mayock, like, why would you pick up Richie Incognito? And he's like, you know, they don't all have to be Boy Scouts. Nice. I mean, it's like it's like Al Davis rose from the dead <laughs> and, and like, somehow channeled himself into Mike Mayock for just a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, they don't have to be Boy Scouts. Nice. So he shows up on Sunday. Give him the injections. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the injections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they freaking these old scientists that the Steelers used to have back in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. You know, the ones from Germany. Yeah. <laughs> the ones who invented cycling. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. Yeah. I'm the guy who will admit that. I will admit that the 70 Steelers were juiced. Oh, yeah. Like, anybody, like, any Steelers. But who wasn't? What team was not juiced back then? The the Steelers pioneered it. In all honesty, like, the Steelers pioneered it. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah, like, they were on the forefront of medical science. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I hate to say that. Like, they had a competitive advantage because they were on the forefront of, like, steroids. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, like, like some of those guys are so fucked up. Yeah. Like Mike Webster. Like, I mean, between the steroids, which he talked about, like, taking. Uh-huh. Like, he doesn't deny it. John Cobb admits it, you know. Yeah. Like, they, they, they were all, that entire offensive line was, you know, on the same cycle. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, so, I mean, they, they admitted that, like, and, like, it was something that, like, they were on the forefront of, like. It wasn't Ill- it quote unquote wasn't illegal yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, Lambert. No, no, I don't believe Lambert. I mean, look at Lambert. Look, no, I'm being thing. honest. I, yeah. I, 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 here's the thing: you look at the Steelers' offensive line at the time. Uh, you and it's like all five of them were like these these spark plugs. Okay. Like, like they, they were all like. They weren't that tall. They were all like, like no more than six feet tall, but they were all built like, like Ken Patera. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they were all just like I mean they were huge. And, but you compare that to like the Raiders' offensive line, like and again like like Gene Upshaw and, and those guys. Like there was a huge difference in like the builds. Mm. Like I mean you can say well the Steelers went for a type. That's true, but that type was you know. The world's strongest man. Yeah. And then we're going to juice it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. So you don't think the other side of the ball did as much as the offensive line did? No. No. I think that, this, I think that was an experiment with the Steelers' offensive line. Yeah. Because, like, it, it was, like, one of those things where, like, I don't think the other guys needed it as much. I guess I I don't know. Like I mean, I, it, it's, you look at you look at the guys on the defensive side of the ball, and they, they're they're 
first off, you don't hear about the health problems on that side of the ball that you do on that offensive line. Okay. Like, you look at that offensive line, you, you look at the health <laughs> problems that all of those guys have had. Mm-hmm. And you go, wow, what do they all share in common? Well, they were all on steroids. Yeah. You know, I mean, they all, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not discounting the, the brain damage that they, they, they took and everything else. But if you look at from a health standpoint, like where those offensive linemen are compared to the defense, like the defensive front seven yeah. of the Steelers, like, it's it's to me clear as day. Like the one of the major issues is that they were all taking steroids, and it, it caused them major health problems because they didn't understand the risks at the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's funny you look back, and then it's there's. <laughs> I mean, when people played football back in the day, before even Steelers, I mean, like they weren't getting paid shit. Right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, this was their last thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this wasn't... You know, it's not like it is now. You right. Know, you get this high-profile college well, career and da 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 People just kind of went in and... Well, like Chuck Noll used to say... I play football. Chuck Noll used to say, like, when the guys retired, especially the great ones, he's like, and now they can go on with their life's work. Like, this like this was, this was just a short period of, their, of time... Well, they got to play football and get paid for it. They didn't get paid much. Yeah. You know, you know, the Roonies took care of them and taught them how to invest, but they still weren't paid. Like, they were, they were, they were making, like, you know, $80,000 a year, $100,000 a year at yeah. the top end. Yeah, yeah. At the top, like, a million-dollar contract was, like, shocking yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it wasn't like these guys were making a ton of money. Like, I remember the Super Bowl – was it 13? Super Bowl 14, I think. When the, the Redskins played the Dolphins the second time. Okay. Okay. When Thiesman was the quarterback. All right. Okay. And it was a strike year. Uh-huh. One of the things, like, they're, they're, they're all gathered around together at pregame, and Thiesman's giving the pregame speech, and he's like, yeah, let's go out there, let's win this game, let's win that championship, and let's win $50,000 each. Yeah. Like, that was part of the, like, like, you know, we're going to get paid, bitches. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, holy fuck. Like, today, that's like nothing. Right, right. Antonio Brown. Chomp change. Yeah, that's like Antonio Brown's, like, tipping money. Yeah. You know, so, like, it, it's funny how the game has changed. You're right. Because, like, like, Chuck Noll, like, he would sit there and say, and now you get to go about your life's work. You're done playing games. You can go be a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Did the Roonies help them invest? Yeah. Like, I've always heard. You think the Roonies, honestly. Yeah. And this is a Pittsburgh podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Roonies are on the level? Well, considering this is a franchise that was founded based upon a man winning, taking his winnings from a horse race and using it to buy an NFL team. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but I do, I do think you know, especially Art Rooney, loved his players, wasn't going to overpay them, but wanted to take care of them in a way. And I think he, you know, I mean, it's it's, I've always heard what he he has had, he has taught, like especially the top guys. You know, this is how you invest your money. Yeah. Don't spend it all. Take care of it. You know, make it last. Make it work for you. 
those are the type of things that like I've heard a lot of players talk about that the Roonies took care of them in that fashion, helped them, you know, invest and save, mm-hmm. so that they 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 weren't destitute after football. Right. You know, it, did it always work? No. Again, my point to Mike Webster living in his car. Yeah. But you know, but there were other players though who you know you look at a guy like Mel Blunt, you look at you know, um, you know, uh, Jack Cam. You know, there were other guys who, Joe Green, like, I mean, you know, they, they went on and had very successful careers after football. I mean, you know, um, the one guy, I mean, he, he you know, like owned restaurants. You know, I mean, you know, they, they learned how to invest the money and make it work for them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that was part of the Rooney influence. Okay. But, you know, do I think the Rooney money is on the up and up? Probably not. <laughs> you know. Do you well, think it's the best organization in football? No. Okay. No. I, I, I think I mean, it's, it's clear that the best organization in football is in, in New England. Okay. Yeah, you know, you, you top the bottom. <laughs> is it? Well, I, <laughs> I mean, sure to get in the handy. Wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure to get in that handy in, uh, in Florida. I, if, if you look at, like, from ownership down... I, I think they've put together what you want your organization to be. Okay. You know, like, you know, Randy Moss was a loose cannon. He got to New England, you know, and he flew, you know, he flew right. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you didn't hear about Randy Moss running over police women in, in, in Boston like he did when he was in Minnesota. So, like, I, I think that the, as an organization, I, I think they do a very good job of, this type of people we want, we can teach them what we want them to do, and we can pay them well to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and even and, and even starts as a quarterback taking less money. Right, like Tom Brady should be the highest paid quarterback in NFL. You know, not not Dak Prescott, not Kirk Cousins, not Sam Bradford, not any of these guys that have been the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It should be Tom Brady. Yeah, and he takes less money to make sure you know they can spend that money elsewhere. Right now, some people will say, "Well, it helps to have a supermodel wife," you know. Yeah. But does it really? Like, would that still stop you from taking thirty-five million a year? Yeah. I mean, it's outrageous money. Yeah. But I mean, like Tom Tom Brady takes less, and because of that, they can spend that money in other places. They keep guys around like a Julian Edelman. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can get the guys who are going to work with Brady, not against Brady. Yeah. You know, they can get a guy on defense that they need. They, yeah. can, they can do those things. Um, you know, where you look at some of these other teams, they end up, they spend huge. The Baltimore Ravens are a prime example. The Baltimore Ravens spent huge money on Joe Flacco. Uh-huh. Huge. And, like, after that Super Bowl run, what did they do after that? Jack and shit. Yeah. And the reason was because they had so much money tied up in that quarterback, they didn't have to spend elsewhere. And that defense fell apart, and that offense fell apart, and they had to let people go because they couldn't afford to pay them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's that simple. I mean, the Steelers are pretty smart somewhat about their money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although Ben just signed a big one. But he, But still, like, if you compare that to what, like, some of these other guys, there are guys who have never even been to a Super Bowl who are making more money than, than, than Roethlisberger right now. Yeah. Like, 
guys who, like, in my mind, haven't proven jack shit. Right. Other than they're good with fantasy stats. Like, Kirk Cousins is a great fantasy football quarterback. He'll throw for 4,000 yards. He'll get you 35 touchdowns. And, you know, but he's not winning football games. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a difference. You, you can be a great quarterback and win football games, or you can be a stat generator. Right. You know, Kirk Cousins is a stat generator. Okay. You know, Matthew Stafford is a stat generator. Right. You know, um, you know, so th- th- there are plenty of, of, of stat generators around the league that are, like, great for fantasy football, but I wouldn't want them to be my starting quarterback. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Ben's a guy who, like, you know, he he's on the cusp. Like, I mean, he's got he's got a reputation. He's won, <laughs> he's won two Super Bowls. He's been the three. But yet, lately, he's been a stat generator. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can talk about all the yards he threw for last year. <clears throat> threw through a ton of yards. Their season ended in December. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that that's... That's the thing. Yeah. You know. Wow, there's a lot of sports on this podcast. Yeah. That's what happens when I run out of material. Yeah, but it's yeah. something we know. It is. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. All right. All right. No mailbag this week because, as I said, you know, we're recording on Friday and I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. I said, fuck it. So, um, remember, there are a number of different ways you can reach out and touch us. Uh, you can send us an email like we normally receive, and that email address is pittsburghnerd at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd. Very easy to find. And uh, lastly, we're on a number of podcasting networks. We're on the Tangent Bound Network, the Weedy Geeks Network, and the Danger Entertainment Network. Uh, just give them a Google search, and you can find all the great podcasts they have to offer mm-hmm. lastly as always want to thank you dear listener for checking us out each and every week we greatly appreciate your enjoying our hijinks and shenanigans even when it does get sporty it did tonight it did i blame myself for being ill prepared <sighs> we need a little yeah sports here and there a little, a little something here and there yeah it was tough because there was no like real like nerd news because it was all like I, I mean there was if we played video games yeah. The E3 was this week. There was a whole bunch of shit about E3. Like, yeah. I don't play video games, so. Yeah. Fuck it. Right. I'm sure Stork is right now just pounding his fist against the table. E3, you should have. Why don't you play video games? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So there you have it. On that note, the dreamer has awakened. Peace. <laughs>